Welcome to the Critical Media Studies Podcast. We're your hosts, Mike Rapici and Barry Falk. Hey, Barry, good morning. How are you? I'm doing well, Michael. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, thank you. Uh, also, hello to everybody uh, watching on YouTube. Uh, thank you for that. Please do uh, make sure to like, subscribe, follow. And also, if you're listening to the podcast, please do uh, leave us a positive review, hopefully, uh, as well as subscribe. And uh, as always, for everybody, uh, do feel free to leave any comments or questions either in the comments or questions section or uh, reach out to us through the website at criticalmediastudiespodcast.com. Uh, with that said, Barry, today, Deleuze, Postscript on the Societies of Control. Joe Deleuze, yes, exactly. Published in 1990, um, and it's a rich essay seems to be a very timely essay. In fact, that's one of the things that's most striking about the essay, I think, is that it's written in 1990. Um, but it seems to anticipate in his description of societies of control, he seems to be anticipating uh, the construction of a society that we see a, a particular kind of social order that we're in the middle of right now. That, that seems to describe our current social reality. So, well, and many people, I think this essay has, um, I think there are many readers, right? I mean, insofar as theory has readers, um, Deleuze has had uh, a lot of, re, you know, recent positive response and feeling that people read him and think he seems to be describing, even though he shouldn't be describing our moment because he's writing in 1990, he seems to be describing the 2020s so yeah. that's one of the reasons they're talking about it and one of the reasons we're talking about it yeah it's a short essay and it's wonderful it's very readable uh he works through in a very lucid uh manner the philosophy of another of his friend and philosopher historian michel foucault um, and he does this in a very lucid manner it's a short essay but it's very dense because it is very elusive to historical ideas. And, um, and he's playing with this idea of different historical epochs. Mm -hmm. And so what Michael and I thought we we're going to do today is sort of unpack the historical component, I suppose. That might be the way to describe it, the historical uh, schema that Deleuze outlines here, using, but also importantly, departing from Michel Foucault's schema of modernity and governance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um, just to try and keep us organized as you and I have a, sure. a, a tendency sure. to wander off into the woods, um, we're gonna try and do three things with uh, okay. this essay today. So the first, as you had mentioned, is we're gonna talk to the three periods or epochs of control that Deleuze outlines in the essay. Um, and as you had mentioned earlier, we, seem to be in this uh, sort of liminal space between the society of, or the discipline society and the society of control. So we want to talk a little bit about what that transition looks like. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then uh, to finish up, we're going to talk about what resistance looks like in a society of control um, as it's that just the very makeup of that society uh, requires a reconfiguration of resistance uh, compared to what discipline would, would require. And, and let me just give a very short um, 
note on, on that last point. We're going to return to this. So I'm, this is not a spoiler. We'll return to it, even though we are going to return to it at the end, as you announced. Um, the idea of resist, I just wanted to flag this. The idea of resisting history is it, this isn't a historical sketch that is done in a totally fatalistic manner. Like, okay, we move from one epic uh, in, in Western society, we move from one epic to another, and now we're in another epic, and there you go, the end of the story. The idea of how one can be a nonconformist, how one can resist control, the different forms of control that vary and change over history is very much a concern uh, for, um, about said Baudrillard, and it's not a concern for Baudrillard, but it is a concern for Gilles Deleuze. And so there's a key sentence that, we'll, that I'll, I'll read it once, but we're gonna to return to it, I'm sure at the end. Um, just as a way of flagging the fact that resistance is, is I guess the primary motivation for writing this essay. Uh, when he, he mentioned, he um, is very emphatic at the end of the first section of the essay, Deleuze's, he's very emphatic that he's gonna describe these different epics and Michael's gonna talk about that in a moment, but he's not making value judgments. Uh, he says explicitly, he writes, there is no need to ask which is the toughest or most tolerable social order or regime for it's within each of them that liberating and enslaving, oh, this is our, we need to have a, like a shot glass and toast ourselves every time we get the media pharmacon, right? We, every time we get it at pharmacon, this I, is- I don't know. I don't know that we'd ever make it out of the first 10 minutes. But, <laughs> right. but this is, you know, for, for, for uh, previous listeners, you, you know the drill on this, get a shot glass, get your tequila, uh, because here we have the media pharmacon. Let me go back. There is no need to ask which is the toughest or most tolerable regime for it's within each of them, the liberating and enslaving forces confront each other. And then he ends this section by this, I think, very important, crucial statement for, you know, setting the tone and the, I think the, the, the purpose of the essay, stating the purpose of the essay. There is no need to fear or hope in regard to these historical changes that he talks about, but only to look, the very pragmatic need to only look for new weapons, but only to look for new weapons. We'll, we'll unpack that a little bit more, but I was trying to get some flesh to, to, the, to the term, to the bone of resistance. Like, what does he mean? Is he's looking for new weapons, new ways to be a nonconformist. Yeah, and I think, I think as, we, as we get into this, as we should now, um, the traditional means of resistance are, are, are pretty clear. So, um, uh, to jump in, uh, Deleuze starts out and he outlines three different stages or epochs of control, right? And so he, he identifies um, a society of sovereignty followed by a disciplinary society, uh, which is um, you know what, what Foucault describes, and then the society of control, which he is a term he borrows from Burroughs, correct? Okay, so in the society of sovereignty, this is um, basically what rule by a king, rule by a sovereign, right? And the yeah. ha the hallmarks here is that 
it is, I, I guess, a one-to-one relationship, right? Like rule is the king, the law is the king's will, the king's word. Any crime is a crime against the king. Right. Uh, any punishment is therefore punishment from the king. Um, right. And what I found interesting- And every crime, mm-hmm. every crime is a crime against sovereignty. I mean, that's the, the idea of sovereignty is key. This idea that you have a king and that all law, order, and justice proceeds from this notion. This, this was a major idea in medieval jurisprudence, this idea of the king's body. Mm-hmm. The king had a corporeal body. The king always had two bodies. There was a corporeal body, and then there was this other non-corporeal body. And that was basically where the law, that, that was the realm in which law was meted out. So if you, if you um, so stealing any number of offenses were an offense against God, but God and the king were kind of coterminous. They were literally coterminous in, in a monarchy, right? Mm-hmm. So that any crime is always a crime on this higher abstract upper transcendental level and so therefore god and the king restored justice and and this is Foucault's uh, arguments in his book uh, discipline and punish that Deleuze is rehearsing um what that mean this was a very straightforward i mean this was a logically this was a monolithic logical society that um what did you do? You hurt the king's body. What's the king have the right to do? What's what does justice demand? I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to fuck up with your body. But what's fascinating- I have rights over your body because you you surrender your rights. Right. But what's fascinating about this, I think, if we want to think about forms of resistance, this sort of tension between the um, the sovereign and the people, because. Mm-hmm rule is centered in a single clearly defined body the tension there becomes very personal right it's not me against the state or me against the boogeyman or whatever it's me against the king and given the massive space both in every in every regard right but physically um, in terms of living conditions, in terms of geography, in terms of wealth and comfort, um, what what happens there is it's personal, and as a result of it being personal, I think that it's very easy. You know, if I'm villager A and you're villager B, and you steal an apple, you've stolen the king's apple, and the sti- right, 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 and right. the king right. is going to come back. And the king is going to cut your hands off as punishment right. because you stole right. my apple. Now, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here as, you know, my little villager A and I watch villager B's hand get cut off. Right. Resistance, I think, is. I don't know that resistance is necessarily easier or harder. It seems like it kind of be pointless because the king is divine. But in terms of sympathy, right, I can look at you and I live in your exact same space, right? We share the same poverty and dirt. So I don't see your stealing the apple as some massive transgression. I think it's easier for me to look at this and say, wow, man, this is really tough. Like you, you, you did, you did the wrong thing. You stole, but I understand why you stole. So I don't think that in a society of sovereignty, 
the populace is going to turn on itself quite so easily. I, I think that in that situation, because the two main players here are so clearly defined mm -hmm. and inhabit such very different spaces that resistance is going to look very different. So like when we get to a society of discipline, mm -hmm. right, this, which is Foucault, this is mm -hmm. socially sanctioned, right? Just, so let, just to, clar just to yeah. clarify, though, I mean, both of these things are coming from Foucault. This idea of the sovereign, I mean, that's one of the things he's tracing in Discipline and Punish, mm -hmm. the transition from sovereignty to the disciplinary society. Sure. I, what, I, what I'm saying is that the, oh, okay. I'm sorry. The, the, the structure of the two, though, I'm, you know, I, I'm looking at this since we spent time talking a little bit of time at the beginning, talking mm -hmm. about resistance, mm -hmm. which really mm -hmm. becomes interesting I think it's interesting in all of them, but it becomes interesting in a society of control. If you mm -hmm. look at the difference between the sovereign society and the uh, disciplined society, the society of discipline. Yes. yes, I see. The big difference there is that in a sovereign society, all rule comes from the king through the king. This is the unquestioned leader, but there's a divide, right? Whereas when you get into... Uh, a society of discipline, right? Foucault outlines this as really sort of institutional, okay? Right, right, but right. But it's also socially ratified. So like we say, where do we send bad people? Bad people go to prison, right? Where do we send people with promise? We send people with promise to school, right? What happens to, <laughs> what or not, um, what happens to, people who do well in school. Well, they go and they move to this other institution, right? They get a job. And then we sort of, it, it's all socially sanctioned and agreed upon is, is my point, right? So uh, I think he makes the point here, certainly Foucault makes the argument, right? That prison is rehabilitation. Like we send you to this place to rehabilitate you so that you can come back. There's a social agreement that this is what should happen. That's a huge departure from sovereign society. All right, so, so the argument that I'm making uh, in, in, is really in regard to resistance, right? In, in a disciplinary society, resistance is a much harder thing because in a sovereign society, you are resisting a single point, right? The right, sovereign. Right. Whereas in a disciplinary society, discipline, the act of disciplining, um, is one, I think it's marked as rehabilitation rather than punishment. Uh, absolutely, reform and, and rehabilitation. Right. And, and when you look at penal systems, one of the characteristics of penal reform in the 19th century, actually beginning, this is mainly where, where Foucault takes his cue. Um, one of the main characteristics of legal reform, uh, the legal reformers that really began in the age of enlightenment and, and was full bore in the 19th century uh, throughout Europe, the whole idea was redefining, I mean, explicitly, the aim of reformers was redefining punishment as rehabilitation or reform. Mm -hmm. And that was it. I mean, it, that the idea of punishment had to be redefined in a disciplinary society. Foucault's point is, even this new idea, of re, as you're saying, Foucault's argument is that Yes, these reformers are talking about rehabilitation. They're talking about reforming criminals, but there's still, it's still a mode of control. Can I add a word to what you were saying? Uh, I mean, because it sounded like you're arguing that 
and I agree that one of the reasons why the disciplinary society, it's harder to think of resistance in disciplinary society um, because the enemy is not as clear. Before the enemy was clear. You knew well, it, it may be difficult to get it, but there's- And also, also the enemy yeah. is, is, is the, the, the disciplinary society, I mean, to interrupt you, but we don't have an enemy anymore. Right. The exactly. Idea. Right. So, yeah. Right. Okay. Right. So, um, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Well, well no, just uh, just the I, I was just carrying. I was just uh, elaborating on, on some of the points you made. Um, you were talking about this. Yeah, it's harder to see the enemy, or we don't have an enemy. Is, is the point you just made? Um, Foucault notes that. I mean, that's a big difference between the two epochs. And the other difference, though, I and I think you were kind of going there, um, is this. One of the other reason why uh, it's harder to think about resistance in a disciplinary society when one is fighting institutions is that there is, and, and this might be a through line between the epoch of disciplinary society and the epoch of the society's control. There is an, there is a, a, an attempt to internalize certain values and reform is all about internalizing a new code where you don't resist, where you're a different kind of subject. So mm -hmm. that you internalize an ethic that encourages you not to resist or question authority. Right, all right, so let's, let's just step back for a second here because the shift from the sovereign society to the disciplinary society mm -hmm. is um, concurrent with the rise of modernity, right? So we move away from the sovereign into a more uh, dispersed institutional spaces. Right, thank you. Okay, and as a result, the locus of control shifts as well. So what marks disciplinary society are these institutions of reform, right? Mm -hmm. And this is basically mm -hmm. behavior management, right? Like you learn how to behave in a place. These are socially sanctioned behaviors. They're socially agreed upon behaviors. And when you fail to behave in the socially sanctioned way, you are disciplined by being reformed so that you will behave accordingly. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that carries through this this might be a place where I, I think this will be a productive conversation if you because uh i hear what you're saying but but i i guess i thought about this process how did you describe it you just described it that you're persuaded what are the institutions doing to subjects within that particular enclosure you had a word you used a verb and i i was thinking that I might describe it. I might use a different verb, but I wanted to hear your verb again. You remember your verb, I, I don't. <laughs> or no? No, you, you're putting me on the spot. I don't know. Um, what? What? Well, how would you describe it? What? Let's. Let's. Well, I. I, I wasn't he here. I'll put it this way. Here's what I wasn't hearing what you're saying, but I, it may have been there, and that was my question. Um, I think the major difference, the major difference, is that when you're being when you're literally institutionalized mm -hmm. and you're learning to work within this particular system, the thing that is different, and it seems to be um, assimilation looks differently, orderliness looks differently. So to me, the big difference is 
One can imagine, uh, and I'll, I'll use it, I'll try to illustrate the difference by thinking of the, by drawing a contrast between the sovereign society and the disciplinary society. In the sovereign society, let's go back to your peasant who saw, <laughs> your peasant, let's go back to your peasant. And uh, your peasant is, just saw his neighboring peasant mm -hmm. uh, uh, in the village and he stole an apple. He and he got his hand cut off. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that, and that peasant, you know, that's his best friend, his hand, he lost his hand. Um, and it's possible for, so, and, and he thinks, he thinks two things simultaneously, my imaginary peasant, sympathetic peasant. He's thinking two things simultaneously. Fucking hate the king, and hate the king. Look what the king did. I don't like it. Um, I really said, I think the king is unjust, even though the king says he's doing this for just reasons. The king is unjust. And I saw it with, you know, when I, I know that because I saw what justice means when it was meted out to my friend. Okay. Now the king is probably going to come also to, uh, I'm sorry, the peasant is also going to come, the serf is going to come to your conclusion, uh, the other conclusion pretty quickly. I don't like this, but I got to live with it because the king's in power. How to get rid of this injustice, I have to kill the king. Okay. But is it, isn't it possible? Now I'm going to get back to your example. This isn't a digression, I promise you. One might imagine that that peasant lives and dies, that serf lives and dies pissed off because. They recognize the injustice. They can keep that sympathy all their lives. And they may be, uh, they just have no opportunity to take any kind of action that's going to change their law. Mm -hmm. But it's possible to imagine that serf will be an enemy of the king in their heart for the rest of their life. Right. Now, the big difference, okay, now shifting to what you were saying about disciplinary society. As I understand it, and it may, and, and I just want to see if you agree. I was curious if you agree with this. The big difference now is that in the disciplinary society, it's more intrusive. You're not allowed to have a burning hatred of your teacher. You're not allowed to have a burning hatred of your boss. There are mechanisms within the enclosure of the institution that encourage you to say, hey, I've got to rethink this. The boss isn't really my enemy. Well, I don't know. The teacher isn't really my enemy. So to me, this new element of internal to say that that surf could have been pissed off for life. I, I don't know that I agree with that, but I think yeah, I, get okay. what, I get All I get right. what you're saying. But I mean, I, I think that everybody knows what it's like to be pissed off at a teacher. Of course. Right. And authority problem figures, is right? right. The problem is that if you are pissed off at your teacher yeah, and yeah. it gets out that you're pissed off. So, OK, you're pissed at your teacher. Right. Well, you're going to have to keep that under wraps or else there's going to be some sort of kickback. And eventually, because you spend such a massive amount of time in the school, you're going to get over it because the teacher's not cutting off hands. The teacher's going to give you a bad grade or whatever. It's more case. just. It looks right. more just. It looks more just. But let's say it's not. And you do revolt because you don't have the same measure of consequence, right? Like the teacher's not going to cut your head off. What's going to happen is you're going to get escalated. You're going to move from that teacher space to the principal space, right? And now you got to deal with this space. 
And if that doesn't work, what's going to happen? Well, now you're going to get suspended. You're going to move to another space. And if that doesn't work, you're going to bring the law into it in some, right? So I think that in the disciplinary society, what happens Mm. is you Mm. are moved from space to space to space. Whereas in the sovereign society, there are two spaces. There's your peasant space, which is where you live, or alternately, there's the sovereign space, which is where you can't go. So the- That's a great point. And, and that's, I think that's how the disciplinary society works, right? Is that you don't want to get escalated. It's bad enough to be pissed at your teacher. Now you got to bring the principal into it, yeah. right? And okay, yeah. well, now the principal's involved in it. Oh my God, well, what comes after that? That's a space, we know it's there, but I can't see it here. So that's even scarier. And then the other thing is that in the sovereign society, Uh, I sympathize with you, my fellow peasant, and I'm terribly sorry you got your hands cut off. That's really bad. In the disciplinary society, you acted out in class. You're bothering me now. I can't have the same measure of sympathy for you because you acted out of line with what this space requires. And when you go to the principal's office, you're not done wrong. I don't fear for myself. I'm glad that you're going to get rehabilitated in some capacity and you'll come back to class and you won't be the disturbance that you were. But how did I come to believe that? How did I become such a quizzling and turncoat that I'm glad that you got, you went to the prisoner's office? What happened to me? Because all spaces are different because I come from a disciplinary, Mm -hmm. I I come from a disciplinary structure at home that says, Mm -hmm. this is how you're supposed to behave, right? Mm -hmm. You are fully indoctrinated in this. Whereas in the sovereign society, um, there, that indoctrination just looks different. There's two spaces, okay. right? Whereas in I disciplinary see. society, there's multiple spaces, and and you and you can't escape it, right? That's it. You 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 right. can't you you live in these spaces. So I, I think it's just something you're you're born into, and you move from space to space to space. And mm-hmm. again, pu- but the other thing I think that's significant is that punishment isn't as severe. There are as you you are escalated a number of times. It's true. It's true. And that is a big, that's a big reason. It's easier to sell that. And it's also, it's It's also, it's it's also done in the name of rehabilitation. So even if I am the student who's behaved poorly, right in the back of my head, I'm not revolting against you. I'm revolting against the system, right? I'm, and, and in the back of my mind, even though I can be like, man, this is total bullshit. Like I shouldn't, I wasn't wrong. My teacher was wrong. I have mm-hmm. a chance to plead. Mm. I have a chance to plead that case because there's a series Major of case. Yeah. So there is a because there is a meritocratic hierarchy. That's right. the and other even thing it, that even, becomes important. And yeah. even if it's a total hoax, right? Even if they're mm-hmm. all in cahoots, like the principal's going to back the the teacher, mm-hmm. and then the you know everybody's every everywhere I'm going to go, they're all in line together. There's still the sense that I might get a sympathetic ear, whereas mm-hmm. in the sovereign society, this is it. We're taking your hands. So, mm-hmm. so if, if that is the uh, sovereign society and the disciplinary society, let's talk for a minute about what the control society is, right? Because, well, let, yeah, go ahead. Or do you want do you want to take a stab at that? Um, I can certainly. I think that the okay. control the control society is markedly different than the disciplinary society, and I think what's important and one of the things that really that Deleuze does is he doesn't argue that we have left the control society, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So as as you and I record this now, 
we are certainly engaged with a control society, but we are not free of a disciplinary society. The two overlap. So this is, you know, uh, I think the, the, the analog for this would be Raymond Williams' emergent, emergent and residual, dominant and residual, right? So Absolutely. there is a co-mingling of right. uh, apparatuses of control going on here. Let's so, stress, let's, let's stress that, uh, let's stress that because Deleuze really stresses that. He says, I couldn't find, I can't find the exact quote, but this is pretty close. We are at the beginnings of control society. So when he talks about these different epochs, it is, he read, he's at pain, I read him as being at pains to underscore what you just said, that we are at the beginning of something. I am, he is not saying very emphatically that disciplinary society is over, even though he notes these trends or signs of an emerging society of control. Uh, he is very much insisting that there is, and, and Raymond Williams is, you know, another old friend that we should toast to every time we mention Raymond Williams. Um, the uh, it's always uh, there's never a static plane of time within history. It's always a tier. It's always there's always a residual part. There's something emerging, and there's uh, something that uh, what's the other one? Dominant something mm -hmm. that dominates the landscape. Right. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I was just going to ask you a question since we were using Raymond Williams, and, and I don't know if this is off topic. Would you say let's but. I'm wondering if we can apply the Raymond Williams schema, the tripartite schema, to sort of make sense of what Deleuze is doing with the tripartite, you know, epochs of governance. Would you say that his argument is it going too much to say? Because he's not using. We should tell. We should tell. Yeah, he does He does not watchers mention. and listeners that he doesn't say. I'm using Raymond Williams to make no, sense of no. Um, So, I'm wondering how far we can go in doing that. Like, would you? Would you say? Does it map out as neatly as this, uh, that what he's saying is the dominant in our society at the time of writing, 1990, the dominant in our society is disciplinary society. However, what I am seeing is, are these signs, some of them in the field of technology, some of them in the fields of new ideologies of the workplace, the institution of the corporation, these, the new uh, idea of the corporation and corporate culture, which was just birthing uh, when he was there. Is he saying, in essence, that the emergent society that I am describing, uh, that the control society is the emergent that is eventually going to supplant and replace the dominant and become the new dominant? Does it map out that easily or, or do you think I think, that's I think it does. Pushing? I think the, the, the only place where I see any sort of um, friction in, in trying to introduce Williams or overlay Williams onto Deleuze is that the residual society, right, which would be the sovereign mm -hmm. society here, is so far back, right? It's, it's, it is a pre-modern society. So we are so and we recognize it as such we recognize right. it as such. so we yeah. but we are so fully habituated into a, a disciplinary society i think that it becomes similar to the you know the the, the parable of the fish swimming in the water and you know how's the water what's water right like we fail to 
I don't want to say we fail to recognize the systems of control because certainly we're surrounded by them. But I think that it becomes so standard and so common for us to see disciplinary society that the shift to a control society really seems radical. So in a way, the emergent here, and I think this is part of the concern and part of what makes this such an incredibly awesome thing to talk about is it is radically different, right? Mm -hmm. So his, his discussion, his, his argument about the control society is that it is, it looks like a complete departure from the disciplinary society. Right. Yeah. We right. so so I'll take a quick stab at outlining this and then you can you, you can fill in the blanks that I'm going to miss. The control society is not institutional. It is not uh, spatial in the sense that you have a prison, a school, a church, a hospital. Right. We are not told Through which the let's finish that sentence. Though. Yeah. Uh, part of the disciplinary society and part of Deleuze's point, I don't know if Foucault makes this point as, as, as clearly as Deleuze does. One of Deleuze's major points when he outlines his version of Foucault mm -hmm. is that, yes, there are these institutions, there are these enclosures, but that the individual passes, and they're spatial, as you say, the individual passes through them in a temporal way. Yeah, I, I don't know if Foucault makes that point in Discipline and Punish as much. As, I don't I don't uh, recall it, but there is literally matriculation. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, right. there's matriculation. And that seems to be going. Right. Whereas in a society of control, we are essentially told, do what you like, go where you right. like, be what you right. like, do whatever you want. And so the question that immediately jumps from that is, OK, well, then how is this control? Right. Right. And the right. answer here that Deleuze gives us is essentially data. Right. So we are controlled because we are watched, that we leave little breadcrumbs everywhere we go. And so, you know, I think that the reason in 1990, the reason that this was an emerging system of control mm -hmm. is because we are now starting to be enmeshed with digital technologies. This is where we start to see what, what Stiegler calls mm -hmm. uh, reticulation, right? Like mm -hmm. everything starts to connect. And so now if you jump forward 22 years, right? Your smartphone is probably the easiest um, mm -hmm. artifact for the control society, right? Use it as much as you want. Go where you want to go do what you want to do, search the internet as you will. The more that you exercise your freedoms, the more that we can watch where you go and what you do, the more that we know about you, the more that we can design the world around you so that you will behave in a way that is consistent with what we want. Right, right. And what do we, and what do we or they want? They want to keep on using us as data, right? They want to keep collecting our data right? because well, they make a profit from it. Why, right. why do they, why, what do they want? I guess that's one question we should ask. I don't know if Deleuze Deleu asked it. No, I don't think so, but I think it's, it's pretty heavily implied. So the question then would become, mm -hmm. and I think maybe this is an easy way of tracing the three different uh, epochs, if you will, is what is the currency? 
right? So in the sovereign society, the currency is labor, right? And productivity, productivity. and everything. You're measuring productivity. You're measuring labor. The new unit of labor, though, in the disciplinary society is productivity. Right. And everything is coming. So are you productive enough? Uh, how are you productive? We have new techniques we will teach you in, in our schools so that you will be more productive or right. in the workplace so that will what, enable you to be productive. So what then is the currency in the society of control? It's time. Yes. Right. It's, 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 it's time and attention. I think those are the things. Attention. Okay. I like attention more than time just because there's a curious way in which the control society has no time at all. In the same way that it flouts spatial boundaries because you no longer need the enclosure of the schoolroom or the workplace mm -hmm. or the factory. There's a way in which you can do all the stuff that our masters want us to do at any time of day. Right. It doesn't stop. Yeah. And I think so. I mean, how do you I, I'm not disagreeing with you, but I'd like to hear more about how time factors into this, because there one one thing that comes to mind is that time has been annulled in the control society in a way where time was very important in the disciplinary society. But now it seems like time in one sense has no meaning at all in the well, way that space has no meaning at all. I think that in a disciplinary study study. <laughs> In a disciplinary society, time is very carefully managed. You're told when to come to work, right? Exactly. How long right. to work? You're told right. when to take a break. Your, 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 your time is very, very strictly and clearly meted out for you. In the society of control, your time is much more fluid because there's no structures to regulate time. You know, I, I think the easiest example of this is like, think about work email, right? You in a control society, excuse me, in a, in a disciplinary society, you would handle all work correspondence at work. When you leave work, you are no longer in that disciplinary structure. You are now in the home or at the church, wherever it is, but it's a different place. And so the rules of that place take, uh, you know, supersede the rules of the previous place. Whereas in a control society, you are expected to be checking your email all the time. Work, you left work physically, but work, that doesn't mean you're not working anymore. So I think the, the, what, what happens is the structures inherent in the disciplinary mm -hmm. society mm -hmm. are no longer missing and at, or excuse me, are no longer there. And so as they go away, the borders that separate one from the next go away. Mm -hmm. And you no longer have these barriers that, that, that in, in many ways give you space to be. You know how you're supposed to be. When you're at work, this is how you are. When you go to uh, you know, your, your place of worship, this is how you are. When you leave that place of worship and go home, this is how you are. Every place has its own set of rules and uh, time, uh, I guess, and time constraints. So in a control society, this is gone. It's everything all at once. That's what I meant by time is that um, maybe a better word was attention or, um, you know, yeah, I don't know. That, that's what I meant by time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I got it. I got it. So um, should we 
think about, is there more to say about control society? No, I think this is a, a, a pretty, well, I, I think that we've set the table to talk about how- Loads of resistance. Resistant, well, about where resistance would fit in. So okay, it's, it's, it. it's clear in the, um, uh, my God, my mouth is, my brain's going, uh, in, in the sovereign society, that, that resistance is, is, is a one-to-one relationship against the king. It's clearly defined, right? In a disciplinary society, resistance is a lot harder to marshal because you're now against institutions that are trying to rehabilitate you. So in a way, your resistance is counterproductive because look, we're trying to help you, right? Uh, in a control society, and I think this is one of the things that we were trying to get to at the beginning. Um, Deleuze argues, and this is, this, is, this is a line that ends the first section of this, there is no need to fear or hope, but only to look for new weapons. And he's talking about resistance. And Well, he's I, talking about um, each epoch. Let's connect that with the, the, the beginning of it. He's, he outlines this idea that he announces at the beginning uh, that he is going to move through the epochs of control. I'm sorry, uh, epochs of governance. Mm -hmm. uh, and disciplinary society resembles modernity. And the implication is that modernity might be coming to an end. And we have a, something like post-modernity in this moment when the society of control rises. But in each, beginning back to that crucial, set, I didn't want to stop your mo here because you got mo. Um, the reason why there's no need or fear or hope, but only to look for new weapons, the implication is that at every, at, in different epochs, new weapons appear, new weapons, new possibilities for resistance present themselves. So what does a weapon or a mode of resistance look like in the society of control? Before we do that, Michael, let's Let's ponder what it looked like in the disciplinary society. That might okay. help us understand. Okay. So what did resistance look like in the disciplinary society? How about this? Unions, which is something that talks um, Deleuze talks about at the very end. Unions would be, now how would unions be a motive? In fact, he, he, he's very specific. Unions were, and he's not sure whether or not they could live up to being a new mode, of, a new weapon, a new mode of resistance, but he pretty much equates unions. He pretty much defines unions or ascribes uh, unions this power to, uh, you know, they're a mode of resisting disciplinary society. So how are they doing it? Because they're changing the terms of the discipline. They're changing the, they're changing the workplace. Mm -hmm. They're changing the terms of our work. And so that is something that is traditionally set by the people who own the workplace, right? Who set the rules for the workplace. So, is it, it, so resistance would look like changing the rules of the game. Is it, do you like that idea? I, I, I'm just offering this. I, I do, but I also, in, in a way, I take issue. Yeah, no, with, I'm not that, that satisfied because, with it myself. Because what is the union other than another institution of control. I know. I you know, know, so it seems to me that resistance in is resistance not working at all in this case? Well, I think we have to be very deliberate with what we mean by resistance, right? So I think in Foucault's case with the 
uh, society of discipline, right? The society, the, 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 the disciplinary apparatus is arguing that it is here to help you conform to socially sanctioned norms. And I think that what an institution of resistance would look like then, because I don't know that there is individual resistance. You can't, because what happens is you are, the minute you become an individual resisting, you exist outside of this and you will be rehabilitated. So I think that the institutions of resistance are seeking to change public opinion, right? Mm -hmm. That this is now, so it's no longer, I don't think it's so much a head-on confrontation as maybe uh, a, a collective attempt to sort of bend or alter public opinion. It is to try and amend the rules because you can't break rules in this situation, right? And so the difference between what you see in the sovereign society and the disciplinary society, in the sovereign society, the only way to amend or to, to resist is to depose the king. That's right. it, right? right? So that's, if, you know, I'll, I'll, like if you think about a stick, right? The only way to resist in a sovereign society is to break the stick, is to depose the king. In a control society, or excuse me, in a disciplinary society, I think that the goal of resistance is to find institutions that are big enough to engage with the uh, institutions of discipline and amend them. That's the union. That's a union. Yeah. And, and a union but, would be, but, yeah. but I think that it's faulty to assume that joining a union somehow puts you outside automatically because, sure, right, sure, because you're still sure, paying sure. dues and you're sure, sure. still subject to what the union wants to do. There's no, there's no real autonomy here. Like agency is limited. And I think that's what makes, again, I'm going to come back to the society of control. That's what makes this so fascinating to me is that control is exercised by granting liberties. By it's, the, it's the crucial idea. It's the big idea of the piece. And it's something that I think everybody is, is it's worth grappling with it. And we, we definitely need to grapple with it. I mean, I think that's the reason we, we, we feel we're doing something of a service in talking about the essay, because this is a, that idea, that paradox seems to be our current paradox. And we need to have everybody thinking through it, right? What you just said, that right now in the control society, and now let's do it. Since we talked about resistance in the disciplinary society, let's segue to what resistance might look like or what the new weapons of resistance might look like in the control society. Um, both before we do that, though, let's underscore what you just said, because it's a crucial point. And it's it's something that I, I think is a big takeaway from this essay, that in the control society, our liberties necessarily are entangled. Our notion of personal liberty, individual liberty, is necessarily entangled with the forces of control, with the, with the apparatus of control. That's the new problem that Deleuze puts on the agenda here. Mm -hmm. So, well, and the problem with this is I think that if you look at this and you say, okay, well, the control is exercised by surveillance, right? I am going to follow the breadcrumbs and see what uh, you do and where you go. 
And then if you, and again, it's important, right? We're not fully in a control society. The rules of the disciplinary society are still intact. What happens in a control society if you behave badly? You are still subject to the rules of the disciplinary society, right? So if your data trail uh, you know, leads us to realize that you have done bad things, you still go to jail where you are rehabilitated. Okay. Right, so right. the, so you're still stuck in, in the disciplinary society and that's not going to go away. Right. The problem now is I think you're subject to sort of dual forms of control. Um, right. And or dual forms of punishment actually. Right. Well, it's, I, I don't know. I don't think that the control society necessarily see, see, this is where the rules change. You're, if you, you're told to do what you like. And if you transgress, right? Like if you- You get kicked off. But no, I think there is a form of punishment. It's the obvious. It's what happened to Trump. You get kicked off. You get deplatformed. That's the punishment. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you, you no longer have access to the services. So here's the question though. And this is, this is really fascinating. But, isn't, but does, are, are you, do you resist that? Because you do, that doesn't sound like punishment. No, I, res, I don't resist it at all. What's fascinating- is that resistance looks a whole lot like punishment. I think it's at this point that those two converge. What does resistance look like in a society of control? Unplugging, right? How do I stop you from looking at my data? How do I stop you from following me? I unplug. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, I love okay? that. So I'm going, to, I'm going to get off Twitter. Well, you've just been punished for resisting. <laughs> those two are one and the same, right? Now you could argue, that there are uh, other more covert means of doing this, right? Like you can use, uh, what is it? Uh, I love that point. VPNs or whatever. Like you can still exist in certain spaces right. off the grid. But here's the funny thing. When everybody's off the grid, when everybody's on the grid, what happens when you come off the grid, right? Like if you think about the grid as a series of bright lights, right? It's the light that doesn't shine that stands out. So- by unplugging, by resisting, you draw attention to yourself. And what happens if you behave badly? You draw attention to yourself. And the end result is the same. You get unplugged. The question is, who does it? So my question, Barry, is... <laughs> is <laughs> I'm, I'm trembling now. I don't know. That's a great is, point. Is, is, is resistance just a moral victory? Like, oh, no, Twitter didn't kick me off. I don't... Oh, you know, I, I chose... The virtue signaling? It's is that what it is? Signaling. <laughs> I got off Twitter. I got off Facebook. Right. You can't fire me. I am so I cool. Quit. I quit. So is that it? Wow. Is that, is that resistance? So virtue signaling. That's 2020. We just updated the list. I'm very proud of us. Um, I'm sure he'd be disgusted. <laughs> like this, this is what you've done. He would. He would. Um, wow. I don't know what to say about that. So let's see if we can go back. Can I go back and try to consolidate here? Because I think we have a lot of important points, but I don't know what to do with that. I think, okay, so um, just before, so, before, you, before you put yeah, it in reverse, yeah. I think that's my takeaway for this. You know, I, I, I always sort of, I- I, I, you I bailed. Sort of, I You're bailing I, on this. You're letting I, me do But no, but I, but I think about, like, this is, this is always the question about like, well, what do you do with this? Okay, great. You understand it. So what? What do you do? And- I don't feel that resistance is futile. I don't feel that we don't have means of resistance. We certainly do, okay? The problem is not a question of 
access to resistance. The problem, I guess, is more about efficacy and impact, right? And if okay, you were good. to create yeah. some sort of mass resistance, that would have a tremendous effect. But as we've seen with, you know, uh, the 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 recent kerfuffles over Spotify, for example, about everybody, I'm taking my music off. I'm taking my music off. This is horrible. And now I'm back on. It's like, well, but I'm not going to tell you that I'm back on. Right. And, and so, you know, I, I think when you call it virtue signaling, it, 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 it tastes bad, right? Because we see that as sort of like, oh God, get over yourself. But may, maybe we need a, a kinder, more palatable word, but I, I, I think that's, that's sort of where I am with this right now. Now ask me, well, ask me tomorrow, I might have a different. Well, you know, I think Virtue signaling may be the right term, though, because one of the things, you know, my criticism of virtue signaling is I don't believe in the efficacy of it. I think as most people's critiques of virtue signaling is that all it does is it gives you some cultural capital, but the efficacy, hardly anything beyond that sort of maybe Not raise in, in moral in cultural or moral ethical capital mm. um go ahead well i'm just gonna and it's a fleeting capital extremely so yeah. extremely um so, so ephemeral totally ephemeral well listen as you articulated your takeaway i think you answered without I, as i was about to go in reverse for a moment but i think you you also you 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 i wanted to sort of point out a structure or find a structure in the last in our the last discussion thread i think you already gave one but i'll just go in reverse for a moment and see if i got it right and, I, and that i comprehend your takeaway we began this part of the discussion the our closing part of the discussion by raising the question okay this is what resistance might have looked like in a disciplinary society this is what it seems to look like now and as i understood it our answer to that was your takeaway. And the takeaway seemed to be that in the control society, we are we are experiencing, and now tell me if I'm getting it wrong. Here, I'm trying to paraphrase your, your last point. But if I understand your takeaway, your point is, this is a distinguishing mark of the control society. The resistance and punishment are weirdly commingled. I think so. So, and that seems to be very new. Um, and what that okay. does, and yeah. what that yeah. does, is that keeps us in the center lane, right? It 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 it, it, ma it maintains a status quo. Well, if oh, resistant looks a lot like if resistance looks a whole lot like punishment, I don't want punishment. Therefore, I don't really want resistance. What resistance I want either. is what I want is ease convenience yeah. yeah and and that yeah. keeps me in the middle so by patterning the two and i, I you know together what it, it becomes its own sort of i mean it, it becomes a highly effective thing like why would you rebel if rebelling is punishment yeah right we can all be we can all be you know good little boys and girls and stay in the middle lane well dr peachy i have a takeaway too and I will deliver my takeaway and maybe we have an exit strategy as well. Okay. And I think my takeaway is, uh, is a nice compliment to yours. It is not a restatement of your takeaway, but I think it's a parallel point that we made earlier, but I think it's my big takeaway. And like I said, I don't think it's a restatement, 
but I think it's very adjacent to yours. Um, so it's a good place to state it and we can move toward closure insofar as you can get closure on an essay like this. My takeaway is something that I think you stated a little bit earlier, and it's what I'm wrestling with when I think about the essay. And I think your discussion of your insight about the commingled nature of punishment and resistance in the new society of control, specifically defined by digital apparatus that Deleuze didn't know about in 1990. Mm -hmm. So we're really talking about our current manifestation. We're extrapolating from Deleuze and talking about the current manifestation right. of the society of control. Um, but I do think the big insight for me, the big takeaway, and I think you express it in another modality in your takeaway is the radically new, the incredibly difficult thing, problem that Deleuze argues that the society's control pose for its members. It's the big, it's the big head scratcher. It's the big mind game or head brain twister, which is what do you do in a situation where to be an individual, to develop your interiority, seems to necessarily entail um, a denigration of your personal integrity in the form of privacy and an exploitation of your very being through the processes of algorithmic tracking or algorithmic logics, but also tracking, you know, uh, online tracking, uh, the online traces that you leave. We I mean, I, I just think of this in a very concrete way. I mean, just preparing for this episode. Uh, uh, dear listener or viewer, uh, we, were, we were both pondering the fact that we didn't know too much about the circumstances, the publication history of this. So what do we do? Uh, rather than spend a week preparing and trying to find, or a couple days at least, to find out the answer, we made use of the internet. Mm -hmm. And insofar as we did that, um, the CIA or anybody, any advertiser will now know that I'm interested in Deleuze right. when I did my Google search. And so I'm going to get, uh, mind you, it's, it's not a pleasant form. It's not, a, for me, a not unpleasant form of exploitation, but it is still somebody gaming my very being, my very interest, somebody who's literally capitalizing on my very being, my very person, my right. very personal project of education. And I think that speaks back to it again, right? Like discipline doesn't, so, so if, 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 if discipline and resistance look the same, right? When you behave in accordance with the way you're supposed to, you're supposed yeah. to use the internet, very supposed to, and somebody's supposed, supposed to, to do learn. this. That's how it works, right? So yeah, somebody, somebody gains insight into you and, it knows more about you and then is going to use that in some way to manipulate right. you. Like you're going to go to the grocery store and end up buying um, lollipops with Deleuze's head on them or something hey, because they're going to make those so knowing. Many. They're, they're and so, they're attractive. Right. They are. And then, well, they they're know attractive. they're attractive to you. Um, all right. Well, listen, uh, <laughs> there's, there's obviously a lot in the essay that we didn't get to. There's, there's this, this was one of the denser eight pages I've, I, you know, oh, man. 
Amazing but, but for I don't, that reason. But, but I don't think the goal here was to try and unpack the entire thing. Yeah. Um, I, I think that we, you know, just to wrap it up here, you know, again, we talked about the three different epochs of control. And I think that we reached a good place in terms of understanding the transitions from sovereignty and the characteristics of those epics yeah. to control. And I think that, 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 you know, Deleuze's point about we're not fully exiting disciplinary society so much as we're entering a control society. And I think that's an interesting, that's a great um, way to put it. And, and I think that we talked about that. And then in terms of resistance, I don't know that it's the rosy end that is usually so satisfying, but I think it's an interesting place to leave off. So, um, that's it. That's it for me. I, I've I've exhausted my delusion impulses for the day. Um, <laughs> th- thank you as always. Thankfully Eric. or unhappily, I don't know what to say. Uh, thank you as always, Michael. Should we uh, remind our our uh, watchers to uh, our viewers, our watchers, our viewers? But, but isn't that right? Like also, also watchers, those those who are not so our monitors viewing, watching this. <laughs> Hey, no, while, you're, exactly. while you're controlling me, subscribe. While you're controlling me, please like, follow, and subscribe. <laughs> uh, and if you're listening to it, and also leave a comment. And if you're listening to us um, through any of the many podcast platforms that we're available on, um, please leave us a comment there and hopefully you'll like us or subscribe to us. Hopefully. Right. Well, uh, Again, very thank you. This was this was a whole thank lot you, of Michael. Fun. It was a lot of fun. I'll see you soon. See you soon. Bye.